You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. I'm Corey, coming to you live from Iowa. I'm joined, as always, by Aaron Castro down in Arizona and Liam Madigan-Fried in Texas. Guys, how the heck are you? Uh, not not too bad. I uh, survived a, a second week of law school. I guess it's, it's law school, but I'm not getting a Duris doctor, getting a legal master's of some kind. Um, so, so there's that. Two weeks of law school down. Um, yeah, uh, here we go. Season is upon us. Yeah, so uh, I had a uh, I had a pretty good week. You know, uh, the, obviously uh, I worked the Houston versus Glendale game, and there was a lot of preparation going up to that. But then on on Sunday, uh, my guys up in New England with uh, Tom Brady, they they advanced to the Super Bowl. So my weekend was flipping phenomenal. And uh, now I'm getting ready for the uh, week one uh, up in Austin, Texas. So uh, you got to tell me why you have a hyphenated name. Uh, because my mother's last name is Madigan and my father's last name is Freed and we're progressive Massachusetts liberals. So he <laughs> <laughs> was about right. Yeah. Uh, no, no, nobody's, nobody's ever asked me that. I, I try to keep the whole poach persona going, you know, just a lot easier to say. Yeah. <laughs> So, so what you're telling us is you're not swapping your uh, Sabercats hat for a MAGA hat anytime soon? Yeah, nah, I'm not I'm not doing that. <laughs> the, uh, I, for some reason, I don't think bisexual atheists uh, from Massachusetts are very welcome in that demographic. <laughs> you never know, man. You could start a new trend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, here in Iowa, it is uh, about zero degrees right now. Um that's a, a lot of negative degrees Celsius for uh, our European listeners or Canadians. And our Uh So it is freaking cold as a, uh, well, there's nothing appropriate I can use to describe that. So let me just say it's cold. Uh, fortunately, I'm going to be flying out to uh, Texas here at the end of the week. Woo. I'm going to be waving to... Uh, Waving to Liam as I fly over and on my way down to uh, the Gulf Coast. So looking forward to some 70-degree days in the sun. Can't beat that. Dude, I totally thought Texas was going to be warmer than it was. It was like 41 degrees with like some mad cold wind at the game versus Glendale the other day. And like even my New England skin was like, this is not good. It's still you, – you know that winter – like still exists even on the uh, even on the equator. Yeah, but the it, thing it, is, it's still like, a thing. The thing is that like there's freaking palm trees down here, dude. Like I just I t- I didn't I packed like two pairs of jeans when I came down here for like the first month, and then when I went home for Christmas, I just had to get a bunch of like actual warm clothes because I only had shorts and t-shirts because I thought I was gonna be like on the freaking beach in Galveston, like chilling. But nah. <laughs> well, while we're. Uh... Or we're comparing weather forecasts. Let me just tell you a little bit about us. Uh, we are Earful of Dirt, like I said earlier. Uh, we do this every single Monday night, or at least as often as I'm healthy, I do it. Uh, we discuss news rumors uh, from Major League Rugby, the United States professional rugby setup. 
this is our chance to really talk over the issues, talk with fans, uh, the coaching staff and players from the league, and really just dig in uh, to the whole U.S. rugby scene. So that's that's what we do. Uh, and Aaron, I think you're going to tell us what we are doing specifically this week. Oh, so we, there's a rumor to dispel. Um, it hit the board last week, and I think it hit the board, the Reddit board, uh, two weeks ago too. Uh, people were like, "What happened to the Toronto versus Nola game? Is the shutdown affecting that?" <laughs> oh my, geez, oh my, oh my. And so I was like, "Huh?" Uh, you know, I checked the schedule. Yeah, it wasn't there. Uh, so last week, um, I, I talked uh, with the the guys in the league office. There was a glitch. Uh, on one of the things when it came to the schedule that got fixed. Uh, and I think while it got fixed, it deleted the new Orleans versus Toronto fixture. But, uh, if you noticed, uh, on all of new Orleans socials and on all of Toronto socials, they are promoting the match on the 26th this weekend. And I did confirm with NOLA GM, Ryan Fitzgerald that, you know, Thundercats are go, and this game is going to get done. So there to dispel the rumor about government shutdowns affecting this game, it won't. Uh, so, uh, you know, for the rest of it, uh, we're going to go over the last preseason game. I guess there was another uh, Utah played Utah Valley University. I think it was like 35 to 5 or something. Uh and I guess it was the f- closest thing I saw to a full roster ever put together by for, by someone that opposed it was in opposition on the pitch against Utah because we still don't have a roster. Whoops. But Houston versus Glendale, we're going to do our season preview. We did the EOD Enterprise, which is uh, us on the show and the boys over at On La Melee and our friend and advisor, Dan Brown, who we will somehow rope back into this thing, uh, uh, all voted. So we'll go over those and then we'll, you know, look at across the season and look at the teams. Then we're going to go over the USA ARC roster, pick a first 15, and then match previews for week one. You always got to pick the team and lay in line. That's uh, going to be a good show, guys. I mean, we are, hey. We're a few days out. We are. We're here. We are ready to go. We are going to have rugby this weekend, and we will officially beat PRO as the uh, you know we're, we're right now we're tied with Pro with amount of professional seasons uh, of rugby in America. So we're about to take that one step ahead. Maybe Doug Schrodinger might pull out something from his back pocket and uh, and tie it up again, but I don't think that's going to happen. He announces tomorrow that uh, Pro uh, season two starts on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's kick this thing off. So uh, we had Houston falling to the Raptors, 36-21. This is the second preseason match in a row that uh, our Sabercats have dropped. Uh, The rumblings on the interwebs are that uh, it could look like another disappointing season down there in Houston. Uh, Liam, what did you see pitch side this weekend? Well, there's definitely validity to some of the rumblings online, and obviously I don't blame people. But just being there consistently at practice, I am seeing the small improvements that you definitely want to be seeing, especially since Coach Neil Kelly got uh, here to Houston. The defense is definitely a little bit more consistent, especially at coming up in the post, um, especially uh, as well inside of the 22. 
However, where a lot of the main issues lie is winning those one-on-one matchups in the open field, trying to make those tackles. Now, as we know, the the, the Raptors back line, it's a pretty physical, um, it's a pretty physical group as well. Uh, in the forward, you've got, you have guys who can carry the ball, particularly uh, Hanko Hammerscheiss. And he was a big problem for the Houston Sabercats. When, when, you, uh, when you're not making these one-on-one tackles in the open field and you, and you allow the Glendale Raptors to bust through your line like that, they're going to punish you all day, and that's what the Sabercats learned. Now, another big problem with the Sabercats right now is their lack of depth in the back line. There's definitely some interesting prospects coming out of the academy. You have Roderick Waters and you have Irving Carcamo. Uh, they're two guys who can bust through the line. With uh, They have very strong muscular bodies. Um, then you all you also have Irving Cruz um, uh, at scrum half, but you know considering the presence of Santiago Arada and Connor Murphy, the the likelihood of him cracking a twenty three um, this this season or um, or before next season at least is pretty low. But he could definitely be versatile, especially if you want to put him at at, at fly half and move somebody like Kiernan or uh, Win- or if Windsor's on the bench, move somebody like Kiernan back to fullback where he actually played this past weekend. So there's some mixing and matching that can be done. But the lack of depth is definitely concerning. Now, like I said, there's definitely still a lot of positives for this team, particularly uh, since the arrival of Neil Kelly and with the defense. But they also still have playmakers on the outside who, as long as they're healthy, they're going to be helping this team. Joshua Beathy had uh, had a try uh, against Glendale, and he was also really, really good finding the gaps. The dude moves his feet into contact, you know, at the same speed as if he was in the open field, which makes him really, really hard to bring down. Uh, Osea Kalinasau, you know, uh, still still got it. The dude's getting up there in age, but he's a huge leader on this team and honestly one of the nicest guys I've ever met. So I think he's going to have a really positive presence on the field for the Sabercats. Malachi Esdale is somebody, is somebody who he had a great season last season. I think he's only getting better. He's making sure to get himself healthy ahead of the season, which has definitely benefited the team in the long run. They're being really careful with him. Uh, yeah, so definitely the Sabercats have, have a lot of issues, no doubt about it, but they definitely have a lot of potential. It's definitely not going to be another one-win season. Whether the postseason is a possibility, I'm still not sure, but definitely don't cut out the black and yellow this season, right off the bat, at least. So, I mean, you've been down there for a little while now, right? Yeah. Um, the, the, preseason's been, the preseason's been kind of tough for the Sabercats. Uh, I, I think the season's going to be a lot better compared to last season. Uh, overall, when, it, when you look at the aggregate, some of its parts. Uh, but they are missing some players, especially uh, up front. Uh, was it um, one of their locks? Charlie Hewitt is out for the season from an injury suffered early in the preseason in December, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And then um, some some other guys up front are out as well. But, well, I mean, spirits are high. Spirits are always high at the beginning of a season. But – you know, or do you think this is this is going to be more or less what you see from them throughout the season? Like, is two and two what we're going to see? Uh, do you think, I don't know, uh, we'll, we'll get to that more in the preview, but do you think they're going to struggle out the gate? Well, obviously every team has its hiccups early in the season while you're still getting a system down. You're trying to uh, build up that fluidity, um, you know, especially when it, when it comes to the passing game. Um, obviously, uh, the, like the two wins that the Houston Sabercats got this preseason was against pretty weak competition, or I don't want to say weak as in, you know, to discount the Austin Blacks or the Dallas Reds. They're two very good D1s men's clubs, but they're obviously not going to match up to MLR talent. Um, and I think you also have to look when you're, when you're at the game, it, it wasn't exactly like the Sabercats were making, uh, making mistake after mistake after mistake. 
it was just that the other teams that they were playing were executing at a, at a level that you'd expect to see closer to midseason, uh, which was def- definitely really impressive. So I think the Sabercats are, yeah, I, I think there might be a, a small stumble out of the gate, especially as they're going to be getting over some of the smaller injuries. But I definitely don't, I, I definitely don't see it being consistent. I think you're going to see a much improved Sabercats squad towards midseason and the end of the season, you know, potentially for a, a, a you know a, a small chance at a playoff push which would be great but uh yeah no it's definitely not going to be the same as last season and i think this preseason you've seen a lot of the positives but you've also seen a lot of the negatives that they're going to have to work through well and you never know what's going to happen once the season starts either uh you know we saw a change from preseason to regular season in the sabercast last year so we'll just see what happens all right uh you guys ready to Dig into this uh, season preview top uh, top nine list. Hell yeah, man! Let's do okay. it. Okay. So here's basically what we what we did. Uh, the seven of us EOD folks got together and kind of uh, we took a poll anonymously. Uh, although I'm pretty sure I know who most of the answers came from. <laughs> we anonymously polled ourselves, asking who we thought uh, the teams were at the start of the season one through nine. Uh, so, uh, here they are. I'm going to go ahead and run through them and then we'll just kind of dig in and talk our way through it. So number one, no surprise here, uh, Seattle Seawolves followed by Glendale Raptors, obviously the two teams in the championship last year. Uh, then we go into, uh, Rooney rugby United, New York, and the Toronto arrows is number three and number four. So it sounds like folks are really pinning a lot of hope on the unknowns. Uh, number five is San Diego Legion, who did make the postseason last year and uh, actually had a, a pretty good second half of the season. Uh, Austin Elite Rugby, AER, is coming in at sixth. Then we actually tied for seventh place. We had Houston Sabercats and NOLA Gold. So they each received the exact same number of votes. And then finally, in last place, we have Utah Warriors. And I got to wonder if uh, Utah's placement in last has as much to do with the fact that they're just not communicating as, uh, as well as a lot of the other outfits, you know, haven't put out that roster uh, as much as anything else. So I don't know, Aaron, uh, you've got some thoughts right off the top uh, here. So yeah, looking at the EOD enterprise poll, I'm actually a little bit surprised to see the Seawolves uh, up top, you know, I guess uh, some, some weak points uh, for, for them is their head coach, Anton Molman, is currently still in South Africa. His visa has not come through. That was broken, I think, by the Tukwila reporter last week. Uh, and then, so he's coaching kind of remotely. But Richie Walker, who, uh, you know, you know, he had uh, accepted a position in New Zealand but was offered an assistant coaching role with the Seattle Seawolves, is currently also serving as the on-ground interim head coach. Uh, you know, it's going to be great to see what Richie can do at the 15s level uh, in, you know, in a, in a professional setup uh, as an assistant and, you know, currently as the head coach on the ground when uh, we start the season. Um, but when you look at the Seawolves roster, they didn't bring in a lot of, uh, a lot of guys uh, that well, what I would consider necessarily upgrades. The one position that they, the two positions that they did upgrade in a way were uh, scrum half, uh, Juan Philippe Smith, or no, yeah, Juan, John Philip Smith, J.P. Smith, uh, is, at scrum half to push 
uh, Phil Mack. He's, I think he's like 24 years old. If you look him up, he can play. He can play. He will push Phil Mack, and you know it's it's gonna be tough to see how they played it, how they play opposite each other in practice, and see who wins the role really. And uh, Ben Sema, they had fly half issues pretty much all season last year. Uh, you know, Peter Smith struggled for fitness, and uh, when Peter Smith wasn't in there, you had uh, I think Shalom Sunula played fly half, and uh, also Will Holder. And, uh, you know, Will Holder really, I mean, he's been forced to play fly half by a lot of people, and even at the international level. And his skill set right now really doesn't lend to him playing fly half more, more or less a boulder inside center in my eyes. Well, uh, so, uh, so I took a look at that, that, that ranking system, and it was more or less, you know, uh, along, along the lines that I voted. However, one of the things I've definitely... <laughs> I just can't see two new teams being in the playoffs. And I know that we, like there's been a ton of hype around Rooney and around Toronto, and they definitely have all the players to make that run. However, we saw with the Houston Sabercats last year that when you put a ton of big names onto a roster, it's not necessarily um, you know conducive to a, a playoff run. And especially being new teams, there's definitely going to be that period where they're going to have to build some chemistry. So I would I would rather see Toronto at this point in the playoffs rather than Rooney. Uh, Rooney's going to see some people lost to the ARC, and there's definitely going to be injuries uh, at, at some point. So I would I, I would put my money on Toronto, um, possibly making a playoff run before uh, Rugby United New York. Well, here's here's the thing, there. Rooney yeah. only loses three guys. Toronto loses like six, nine. Nine. Not, not nine, nine, according to uh, America's Rugby News. So, so nine. Um, that's wow. That's a lot. Um, yeah. And I think I saw six or seven names when the roster was originally named. Maybe some Rugby Canada at times is as bad as USA or used to be under the mm-hmm. previous comms directorship. That uh, you know when it came to uh, showing call ups. Yeah, Rooney is kind of New York is. New York is kind of built for the beginning of the season when you think about it. Uh, I think overall composite, when I, when you look at the roster, New York, uh, I think I put them fifth. I, I forget uh, based on where I put them. I don't think that they necessarily will be in the playoffs. They have a pretty good roster. They do. That is true. But um, it's the most three factor that you really can't discount, though, especially being a new team that has brought in a lot of new players, especially within just like the last month or so. They, so. they have brought in a lot of new players. That is true. But the core of that team, people are people ask, you know, why do you, uh, you know, depending on where you're discussing it, why do you think New York is going to be in the playoffs or at least a top half, I guess, top half of the table, let's say five through one is top half, really, even though it's like the exact middle. Uh and why do you think they're going to be there? Well, I mean, everyone knows that the, the core of that roster, like 20 to 25 guys have competed with and against each other for years as part of Old Blue New York and the AC. So you have that guy, you have that, that talent that that's there. And then a bunch of those guys, you know, have been Eagles. You have Luke, old man Luke Hume, who's coming back. And somehow, I, I mean, I don't know how, really. Uh, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be an Eagle fullback again. Good for him. He's in shape. He's always in shape anyways, but uh, it's just, it's just interesting. I, I think they're going to have a lot of chemistry. 
um, especially, you know, Tolkien has coached the AC for years, and a bunch of those guys know him. And the old blue guys, as much as they probably hated him for years and years and years, they know him too. But I still don't think that they necessarily will be in the playoffs, but their roster is built for the ARC time frame right now, uh, especially with, uh, I don't is it Cathal, Cahal, Cahal Marsh? Cahal. Uh, I don't know how to say I'm it. Looking, I'm, I'm looking at his – I'm not even going to try it. Like, w- one of the things I feel most bad about on this program sometimes is when we butcher people's names because yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, had, I've had a substitute teacher call me Lion the Diggin' Fried before back when I was young, and that was my nickname for the rest of eighth grade. I, I try, to get, the, I try to get the names right, especially, uh, you know, especially the, the 15 syllable – 15 syllable uh, name last name we have, we have sometimes, but you know, Marsh at, uh, at 10 is he's going to be good. And then you've got Ben Foden. I've been wondering when Ben Foden was going to be here, but he is here and at fullbacks, so you've got a lot of weapons, but like you said, there is nothing that can like the difference between that team versus the blue, the, not the Ontario Blues, but now the Toronto Arrows, you have that same type of core, but instead of being, you know, on two different teams competing against each other, you have a all been one. Yeah, it's you have this team, this core of a team that's been together for years, and, and then that's sp- where that chemistry factor yeah. comes in. And then you sprinkle in a little bit of extras around that. And it's sort, of, sort, it's sort of like watching the Glendale Raptors from last season and how you just sprinkled in a little bit around the core and, you know, they were, they were in the final. So I, I do think that the Toronto Arrows are going to be a playoff contender this season. Yeah. Um, you know and that, that's actually a good point to bring up because one of the teams that I said could probably shock the MLR and make a playoff push is the NOLA Gold, mainly because they're returning a lot of players who, who did some great things last season. Um, along with kind of like you said, they sprinkled in a few extras there. They're bringing back Cam Dolan, who's a great versatile uh, player. On bringing, first, bringing, in, bringing, bringing in, bringing, bringing, they're bringing in Cam Dolan. Sorry, uh, yeah, um, who's who's a, who's a great, um, yeah, who, 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 ugh, God, you got me all mixed up now. Who's who's a great player on both defense and offense, and then they're returning people like Holden Younger and Zach Stifler, who definitely impressed people and are and are coming back and are going to be in that system again under Coach Osborne. Uh, you got Hubert Bidens, who's still that veteran presence on the front line. Um, and I believe, uh, is, is, is Eric Howard playing for NOLA? Uh, yeah, uh, Eric, yeah, Eric Howard, the vice captain, um, you know, along the front yeah. row next to Hubert Bidens is back. Uh, and, you know, you like you said, you look at that core that they had last year, and then they're bringing guys back from injury. Uh, Vince Jobo, and then you, spr- like, you know, sprinkle. So, Vince Jobo is going to be great. This so then, then we're sprinkling Kyle Bailey, and then you brought in Kane Thompson. So you brought in like some real good, healthy locks. Because last year you had you know Nikola Bursic, who plays lock at the international level, but he's six two, and he's more of a six than he is a four. Let's just be real about it. But um, and you know you brought in some big healthy stud locks, and now John Sullivan is moving to the outside. Uh, either playing, depending on now, now they've got so many back rows. It's kind of funny when you think about it. Uh, and but the key position for them, I think that was an upgrade was Scott Gale, who play, who's a nine ten hybrid guy, but he's going to play fly half a lot for them. 
And, you know, Taylor Howden, God bless his soul, but he's the, he's the silver fox, you know. And so <laughs> yeah. he, he played at a very high level last year, and he's going to play at a high level again this year. But uh, at times, uh, both he and uh, JP lost trouble for fitness at the 10 position. So I think you, you get that upgrade there, and then you push. Well, and then you well, also bring in Nick Feeks. Mm-hmm. Nick Feeks. Like, that lit up the world at Lindenwood. So you've got two really strong fly half contenders. And then uh, if you want to play the second 5-8 concept, you put Howden the field general back on at 12. And uh, JP Eloff just gets to chill at 15 and do what he does. And as well, a really underrated aspect of JP Eloff's game, I shouldn't even say underrated, but we, we should definitely be mentioning it, is, is his leg. In the same way that Sam Windsor's leg kept the Houston Sabercats in a lot of games last season, JP Eloff could definitely be that difference maker as long as Osborne's like, you know, taking the opportunities to shoot for the post, uh, especially in the first half when the opportunities are there. So as long as you have the accuracy with his leg, plus the dude is mad fast to the outside, he can definitely put tries of his own down, down and up on the board. So, yeah, really, really, really important player there on the backside. And he's a fellow fullback. So, you know, I like that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, Nola, I mean, I'm kind of surprised a little bit. Nola's sort of near the bottom of this. I really like their roster. They're healthy. Last year, that last year, they weren't healthy when they went into the season. They already, you know, they already lost Sebastian pretty early. They lost Vince Jobo and Sebastian pretty early. So, you didn't really have the presence of those guys. So you don't know what they could have done. We've seen what Sebastian can do uh, at Lindenwood. We've seen what Vince Jobo did with the Blacks. So you really know what they can do. But we didn't see what they could do with the gold. If we get Jobo back, that's going to be awesome. Um, You know, uh, San Diego uh, is another team that got a whole lot. And I I think San Diego... They got a lot of players, too. Yeah, they they did. San, San Diego... Unlike Austin in a way, but less so, I think. San Diego let a lot of guys lift it. Um, ben Sima moved to Seattle. Uh, tag leader uh, moved on to a player coach role with Bean the town, baby. with the Free Jacks, who he will you know play fly half in the ARC, and we'll get to that. But he's also moved on to as well. Yeah, he's also moving on to a coach coaching role, and he's been a very active player coach uh, throughout uh, since he got to the United States with the Boston Irish Wolfhounds when he went there. And then uh, when his eligibility was denied at Lindenwood, when he tried to transfer there, uh, he was a undergraduate assistant on the Lindenwood rugby, rugby squad. And then uh, was served as the player coach for the city freak Kings or something. I Kansas, not Kansas city blues. Uh, was it, or is it St. Louis Royals is the team, the D three team that he, player coach to a D3 championship. So um, that opportunity is going to be very good for tag leader. It, what it does, what's interesting though, and this is where, you know, Gary Gold's about, you know, you got to play. Well, he's going to play in the ARC. He was called in for the, for November uh, at the end. And so he's going to play, I'm I'm sure he's going to be in camp the whole time, but the thing that's going to get him ready for the international window is these uh, four games against Irish provincial A sides? So he's going to play some high level rugby, and he's not just playing, you know, club rugby, trying to get ready for uh, the World Cup window. So good for him. Uh, who else? Uh, you know, Glendale. 
let's let's talk about Glendale. Glendale. I mean, the, the addition of Honko is is big, is big in itself. But well, like, like we've been saying, like they're young talent that they're coming up right now with Mika and Harley on the outside. It's just, I'm not. I'm they've. It's, I would say they've been sort of quiet. Now they did this, even though they've publicized everyone that they brought in. Their whole back row was basically new, in in respects that you know guys have moved on. Uh, Sam Fig moved on from the Raptors. Uh, John Quill, I think, was trying to get overseas, but uh, couldn't get there and went to New York. And but then you know who did they bring in? To replace those guys, really, uh, Malone Algebori, which is a can't was a can't miss prospect, and I have no idea how he's not with the Sevens team right now when he was because he was a residence athlete last year. I and believe he, he's a, I believe he's a barbo, isn't he? Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a barbarian. Uh, yeah. uh, he and his brothers have all come up through the barbarian system. Yeah, which Michael, is in Denver. His brother Michael Algebori was a pretty good player uh, for a few weeks in pro for the Denver Stampede. So and then um, runs in the family. His, his younger brother. It is said that his the younger brother that I think is yeah he's still in high school is even better, which is crazy. They, like that, those parents did something right. <laughs> you right now. Uh, Speaking but, of which, have you seen video of Peyton Manning's nephew like like playing quarterback at age thirteen? Like not to get off track, but yeah, it's definitely in the same sort of league. Well, that, I mean, that, it's his uh, it's his older brothers. His older brother's son, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So here's here's the funny thing. Like, so his older brother, I forget his older brother's name, but uh, Casey, Casey Manning? Or is it Carson Manning? Not sure. But uh, he was a wide receiver. Cooper, Cooper Manning. Cooper Manning, there we go. He was a high-level wide receiver, but he had some back issues. The the dude was, the dude was going to. You got diagnosed with spinal maltosis? Yeah, the dude was, he had a degenerative spine. Where it just ended any prospects, stenosis, spinal stenosis. There we go. Ended any prospects of going to the NFL, but this guy was a stud. So, you know, and then he has, the kid has two uncles that are NFL quarterbacks. It's, uh, the genetics. I wish. I wish yeah. I was six foot three and a cannon for an arm. But, uh, you know, Glendale's been, and then who was the last guy that they added that was a, is a marquee name is Brendan Daly to the back. Wow. Um, then they brought in some locks. They brought in some other props because they lost Nick Wisniewski. Um, Marco Fepaluai, I think I said that right, um, who was with the Auckland provincial side in the Mitre 10 Cup, is now with the uh, with uh, the Glendale Raptors. So you have really two, you have an American stud, young stud prop in Kalebi Fafita, and then another young uh New Zealand guy with him just competing for minutes at the tight head position. And then Luke White, it looks like it's going to stop playing lock. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but uh, then they brought in some pieces behind uh, Sean Davies and Will McGee. So that's going to be pretty good. And of course, you know, was it um, Campbell Johnstone uh, to go behind Will McGee? And then Mickey Bateman is, of course, back, backing up. Uh, Sean Davies and did did pretty well. I mean, when when Campbell, when Jake Chrisman and Campbell Johns, not Campbell Johnstone and Mickey Bateman had start during the during the June window, they won a game at San Diego. Things to think about, right? Um, uh, you know, t- 
talked a little bit about Toronto. Uh, we talked a, a bit about the Seagulls. Uh, let's, let's talk about AER, Austin Elite. The, the Austin Elite, obviously, they're going to be feeling the loss of uh, they're they're going to be feeling the loss of uh, Hanko in the scrum. You know, still one of the best players in the MLR, but a really underrated guy on that team I've noticed is Zinzan Elon Puduk. People are mad excited about this dude head, uh, head, heading into the season, and he's definitely a really good, uh, uh, you know, very vocal presence back there at 15. He's not the biggest guy on the field uh, by any means, but at the same time, he can definitely move the ball, and he's very, very good about where he's placing his kicks. Uh, I, I watched him play just the other week uh, at Houston, and I was really impressed with what I saw. Yeah, uh, so the thing is, what, what Austin decided to do, they, they brought in a lot of new players. Uh, they uh, let some local guys go, and those guys uh, have all returned to their club programs uh, with the Blacks and the Huns. The Huns! Huns laid the wood on the West Houston Lions this weekend. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I fucking know. <laughs> um, I, we're trying to cut down on the swearing, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was... I, I was getting text message updates um, about the game as it was going on, and I was really surprised, honestly. But at the same time, like I said, uh, the, the West Houston Lions were devoid of Car Camel. They were devoid of uh, Roderick Waters and of Irving Cruz. Um, yeah, so it, it, it was just – there's great players on that roster, but when you when you have a lot of people absent who you rely on to be your playmakers, it's definitely going to take a hit. Yeah, and then finally, uh, the last team to look at is Utah. They, they brought in some guys that we know of that we've figured out. Um, from just pictures and stuff that the Utah has publicized, uh, you know, Ian Luciano uh, yeah. has come in. Um, you had Jake Christman from Glendale has come in. And then this is a guy I don't understand how they let him go. Jerry the Missile. Jer- Jeremy Misalegalu uh, from the Seawolves, man. That, that dude is that dude's filth. Like, he will, he will eat you in – the middle. And then they brought in Hulu Hollow Mongoloa, a Eagle prop for at loose head. So that's going to be an interesting competition between uh, Alex Tucci and Hulu Hollow. Uh, Angus McClellan, of course, is back. Um, any other tight ends, though? I don't, I don't I think they're kind of, I think they've got some guys, but they ain't telling us who they are. <laughs> like, guys, this is, you can't keep secrets. This is pro, this is professional run. You just got to publicize that stuff. Um, you know, they're doing pretty well locally. Uh, I, they had, for that game against Life West, they had about 1,000 people inside the Dome at the RSL Academy. Um, they played UVU this weekend, sort of unpublicized warm-up for the weekend. And, uh, you know, uh, some guys are back. Uh, some new guys are in. It will be – oh, and the interesting one was it looks like James Simple, who is their backs coach, it's going to be a player coach. I don't know. Okay. You know, um, I mean, we, we've seen it on other teams work, you know, especially with Sam Windsor down here in Houston. And uh, I, I think he did pretty well last season, you know, just, just the leading scorer of major league rugby. But yeah, I think there was a guy up in Seattle that did a little of that too. Yeah. I think Phil he did something right. rather. Yeah. yeah Phil, Phil Mack, I think was his name. Yeah. I think uh, brought, a, brought the first ever championship to the city. Yeah, he won a ring by himself. It was kind of <laughs> yeah, no big deal. I mean, talk about a perfect storm there. I, I you know, I guess rounding out the season preview the thing that's go- I'm going to find interesting is 
just the whole remote coaching aspect right now uh, with Seattle or if, you know, things, decisions get made uh, and things change. Uh, but um, if, you know, Anton Molman gets on the ground shortly, I think, you know, my criticism or my, not really my criticism. I, I have a lot of criticism for everyone. Everyone knows that I, I hate with equal, um, hate with equal, equal abandon as we were. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just, gotta get these people on the ground and gotta let them install their systems and, and, and things will get done. But, so that's how we think it's going to roll. Uh, so final four, uh, as the EOD Enterprise, we have Seattle uh, at number one. But guess what? You got to play these. You got to play these games. So Seattle, Glendale is probably where we're going to project for top seeds, and then Rugby United, New York, and Toronto as the teams that have to go on the road uh, for the playoffs. Um, so uh, you know, uh, for Utah guys. The team we picked last last year won the championship. That's true. So is what you never know. You you Um, never know. The issue, I think, over for all the teams is going to be depth with this being a longer season. What do you think? Absolutely. And that's you know, and that's where my concern with the Sabercats, as I mentioned, is going to come in with the back line. But yeah, it, it's not even going to just be injuries, though. It's just going to be exhaustion at some point because it's a much longer season, and some of these guys you know, uh, who, who may have spent most of their careers at the D1 men's club level, they, uh, it's going to be the first time they're going to be playing a season this long with, uh, at this level of competition. It's going to be a level of, you know, of exposure to physical, uh, you know, to physical uh, strenuous. Uh, God, I can't even talk tonight. To the physical stress that they just—they're just not going to be used to. So uh, coaches are going to be—they're going to have to be sure to be able to recycle guys in and out uh, to give the team the best chance to win, and not just play, playing people based on their names or based on their past accomplishments. I guess, uh, as always, which I always seem to wrap these things up by saying, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. So um, you guys probably are listening to this and uh, most of you are thinking, okay, this is a bunch of bullshit. They're full of shit. Uh, they just don't know what they're doing. Um, <laughs> so I want to give you guys the chance to get in and uh, make your voice heard as well. We have got a public poll that's going to be up through Wednesday. If you go to earfulofdirt.com, you can check that out. Uh, vote for your uh, top nine. And just let us know. Uh, we'll release that information, that public poll on Friday, right before the start of the season. So that'll be a lot of fun to see what you guys think. I can tell you, as it sits right now, it does look like uh, at least towards the top of the list, it's uh, it's looking awful familiar. So that's, that's what I'll say. <laughs> but that could all change. That could all change by Wednesday. So Earful of Dirt. Uh, those are also up on our socials. You can check us out on ear, uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt as well. All right, fellas, let's talk some ARC. What do you say? Yeah, let's get into it. We've got the 2019 America's Rugby Championship kicking off first week of February. February 2nd. Um, so this is uh, the, US, the U.S. national team uh, has a six-week competition every spring. Uh, where we're playing uh, against our se- Central and South American foes, mostly South American, I guess. Uh, so this year we are starting in South America. We're going to be in Chile on February 2nd, uh, 
facing off against Chile. We're going to follow that up on February 9th versus Argentina 15. So that's Argentina's A side, not their full full side. Um, we have a bye week in week three. Week four is February 23rd. We'll be uh, facing Brazil in Austin, Texas. Uh, then March 2nd and March 8th, we will be in Seattle. On the 2nd, we're facing Uruguay. And then uh, we are playing against Canada in a Canadian home game in Seattle. I, I don't know if they're annexing Washington State. I, I'm not quite sure what's going on mm -hmm. with that. Um, but the home game for Canada is in Seattle uh, versus us. So that's always uh, the Can-Am uh, games are always a lot of fun. Uh, so that's kind of the schedule, but uh, USA Rugby did release their full squad this week, and I think that's kind of what we want to go into now. Uh, so what are you guys seeing as far as that announcement? So I, I guess to, to review the schedule, uh, everyone's wondering what's going on. Or uh, I guess I'm not going to spoil this. We do have a question at the back end, but uh, week three is a bye week. How does that affect teams? Well, if guys are fit, they may get released, especially since we are returning to North America. So guys might be guys might be released to their MLR teams, but depending on their fitness, and by fitness I mean medical health and not their conditioning, uh, they may get released to compete and practice with their team while the rest of the squad gets, you know, sips some Mai Tais for a week and does does rehab. Um but uh, yeah, uh, everyone, uh, you know, camp is gonna camp is gonna start really soon. Uh, it's in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. They're gonna fly down to Chile. Jeez, uh, um, I think Thursday of next week. Not sure exactly. Well, you know, yeah, Thursday of next week ish, probably. Because um, one of the, one of the things you got to worry about is altitude. So you either needed to start camp in Chile like this week or show up the day before. Um, so that's how you uh, acclimate for altitude, but moving on, let's get into the roster. So uh, I was asked a few weeks ago when the ARC roster was now what it would look like. I said, you know, one of the things Gary has been about is consistency with his selection. So the guys he's brought into camp, the guys he's capped, that's what you see with uh, a lot of this. Uh, when I looked at uh, how this roster was going to get released, well, international uh, windows have a mandatory squad publication timeline, and we were obviously still ahead of that. It came out early last year, and it came out on time this year. Uh, so we were probably just finishing some negotiations with uh, the MLR clubs, the overseas clubs, and the colleges so that their kids, so that their players were were on point. Um, you know. I didn't really see much of a change from November and you really don't see much of a change from November when you look at uh, this roster, but there are some interesting names from the college game, like Duncan Benchalkwick. Yeah, no, definitely. However, one of the, one of the players that I'm most excited about uh, to see returning to uh, the Eagles roster is definitely Mikey Teo. Uh, I've seen, I've seen this guy play and especially coming from the back end, he, I think everybody has seen him play at least once or twice if you follow USA Rugby, and his goose-stepping is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. He can juke and play right out of their own ankles. Uh, you know, shout-out to Okay, so, so there's the goose-stepping, but then there's what I call the Islander hop, which I wish he would just stop doing. 
it doesn't work at test levels. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is that whenever you see it, you want to just like get off the couch and do it with them. And that's <laughs> <laughs> but um, an- another person that I'm really excited to see come over uh, is AJ McGinty and uh, Paul Lasique, both coming over from the English Premiership. Uh, Paul uh, Lasique uh, played in MLR last season, played well enough that he was able to get a contract offer over in England, which is which, which is something that we do and don't want to see. We don't want to lose our good players because it's entertaining to have them here in MLR. But at the same time, when we're developing talent to the point that uh, teams in England and, o- and other teams overseas want to poach our players, that means we're definitely doing something right. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Ryan Matias uh, from the San Diego Legion, obviously a playmaker and very experienced with, uh, I think, with more than 15 caps at this point for Team USA. Uh, and so he, he's somebody who can still lead the back line and actually uh, get some points in there. And then, of course, uh, obviously, I have to rep the Sabercats. Paul Mullen is going in there, uh, one of the many front row Irish players uh, that our coach Justin Fitzpatrick has brought here to uh, H-Town. Uh, I think he's going to be a dominating presence up there. He's going to be a leader, uh, definitely in that scrum. Um, and then you have uh, then you have Sean Davies and uh, Boyer uh, at scrum half who are, you know, definitely two of the best scrum halves in the country at, at, at the moment. They can distribute the ball in a manner that definitely gets our playmakers involved. Um, do I trust Davies a little bit more, especially uh, with heavy playing time? Yeah, definitely. But I don't think we would be in trouble at all if Davies had to uh, miss some time. I think Boyer is somebody who's definitely co- uh, coming up in terms of names that people think only, of. They- only talking about only talking about Nick Boyer. Because like, we don't have a 20 year old uh, prodigy in Ruben yeah. Haas on this squad. Come on now. But, uh, <laughs> now, um, some, of the other, some of these other guys you're looking at. Uh, well, well I, unfortunately, I wasn't able to put uh, together a list like uh, you did. But however, well, we're, that, that, well, we're going to go over that. Yeah. However, but, um, uh, However, we've, we've already talked about Dylan Fawcett and, uh, and uh, Hanko Hammersheis at length, uh, you know, on the show tonight, who are, you know, they're two, they're two scrum players who are going to make a difference, uh, not just with their ability in the scrum to provide that extra push, but their ability on offense and defense as just versatile players. And that's exactly what Gary Gold wants, is guys who can make a difference in both phases of the game. So, yeah, I, honestly, I'm, I'm really liking this ARC squad, and I think it's going to be two in a row. So or Three in a row. So let's pick a first 15. I'm going to, you know, shout out my names. And if you um, think one needs to be replaced, you got to say who you're going to replace them with. So we're going to just do one through 15. We're not going to do the bench because the bench gives you a a ton of, a ton of uh, combinations, but we're also going to, I'm going to make some mentions of some, some benchmarks that have to be met by certain players just for something you'll understand. Um, So, Lucid prop, TD Lamosatelli. I like it. Uh, Hooker, Joe, the mighty, Tafete. Uh, honestly, I'm 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 almost tempted to go with Fawcett or Peter Malcolm in 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 this uh, point, just because I, I see Malcolm as somebody who's probably a little bit more of a threat uh, with the ball in hand, but at the same time, I don't I don't want to discount. I just don't want. I don't want to discount the others. All of these guys are playmakers. So the the interesting thing is uh, about all the hookers, but Joe. I haven't really seen the the fifth one is Capelli Piffoletti, who was the U, the last year. So this guy's young. Is was the U18s for England captain 
And somehow he ended up on the Legion. Don't really know how. Like, the Saracens let him go. But it's not a Yahoo. But whatever. Uh, um, so, okay, interesting. Um, but I stylistically, I, I don't know about Capelli, but stylistically, um, body type-wise, Malcolm, Hilterbrand, and Fawcett are they're pretty close together, to be honest. Joe is a bit different than they all are. Well, he's very different. He's a lot bigger. Um, and that's the reason. I, but this is like the team of fully fit guys that we're going to have because Joe's only available. I'm sure he's only available for like two games. And it's going to be these two in South America. Um, so you've got some contentious picks uh, who you would want to replace him. All right. All right. Um, tight head prop, Paul Mullen. Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, number four lock, Samu Manoa. Uh, yeah, I would go with it. Yeah. Um, number five lock, Nick Chavetta. I would go with Ben Landry uh, at, at this point again. So I, you'd go with two fours, two four sixes in the engine room? All right. I mean, if, if, honestly, I'll – just put it this way. I want Landry in my first 15 somewhere in the engine room. So whether, whether he's at the four so, or five position. So, so five is, five is more of a, your line out, your really long guy. And that's Nick. He's, he's six, seven. Samu is your, your sort of hybrid. Like your, your four is your shorter lock and Samu and Ben are the same size. So you, you would go with Ben Landry at four. Yeah, I think yeah, that's probably more accurate then. All right, six. Grant going. Cole would be disappointed in me and my lack of scrum knowledge. I'm sure. Um, six. I'm going Quill. I like it. Um, seven. Hunko Hemmerscheiss. Obviously. Uh, number eight. Cam Dolan. Definitely. Um, As I said, I was liking him on the Nola roster. Um, number nine. Sean Davies. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll go with Sean Davies on this one. Uh. It's funny because now we have we have options at Scrum Half. It's kind of wild. Um, we're, we're definitely going to disagree on Fly Half at this point. At Fly Half, Aj McGinty? Uh, yeah, no. So I, I wanted to go with Tag Leader. Um, obviously, there might be a teeny bit of Boston bias in there, but I also uh, think that Tag... You, you want to go with someone who is uncapped to start this tour at altitude... Well, mainly we I have want, mainly I just want to see you get angry. But <laughs> <laughs> I I know Tag Tag Tag's cool. Tag's yeah, cool. and no, um, no, but uh, no, but but mainly I would just like to see AJ McGinty. Uh, you know, here's the thing: I I see us going far in this ARC. I think we are absolutely going to win it. I want AJ McGinty uh, as healthy as possible for the uh, for the final leg. So yeah, I would totally love to see Tag Leader go in there earlier, uh, sooner rather than later. So I, I don't think – so we get AJ for two games. We get Odds for two games. And I think we're going to get TD and we're going to get Joe for two games. And we're going to get Hooli for two games. We're probably going to get Lasique for two games because of their club commitments. And this roster is actually pretty big when you look at it. And it's meant to, uh, you know, test some new blood and have guys compete to get onto the World Cup warm-ups. Uh, but okay, um, and there's a lot. We have a lot of fly halves. Jeez, yeah. Um, but Odge, I think, is 
only released for the first two games from sale, and then he is going to return to sale. I think they're more these two games are more or less rehab starts, sort of like the minors. Mm-hmm. For, uh, for sending somebody down to triple A or double A or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's what. So, Tig Leader's going to have his chance. He's going to have his chance. I'm just going with my best first 15 based on release window and negotiations with clubs. But yeah, I'm sure Tig is going to play in this ARC. I don't think he would have been called to uh, up into the Ireland camp uh, when we were there for any other reason other than that. Hey, man, your number's called. Time to be ready. Um, So, uh, moving on, uh, left wing, Ryan Matos. Yeah, definitely. Uh, inside center, Paul Asike. Mm-hmm. Outside like center, Bryce Campbell. Bright. All right, yeah, Bright. Yeah, no, definitely. He was a Bobby great player for the Raptors. Um, at right wing, um, Marcel Brocky. I don't know. I don't know too much about him, but yeah, no. I mean, like, like he he's young though. He's like twenty five. Uh, Mars, I think is more like. I think he's. he's I think he's like twenty eight. But um, I mean, he's we're talking got a guy that's you know played a lot of Super Rugby, uh, in the, in the backs. He's either played way he's he's been all over the place. He can play in the centers. He's played in the centers for us. He's played left side wing. But I think with uh, Blaine being out, uh, we I'm just going with guys that are big and physical and can get it done. Um, so. Instead of you can flip them to Brocky on the left and Matias on the right. Uh, then finally, uh, at fullback, Will Hoon. Uh, wait, wait, sorry, sorry. What was that? My my mic kind of just went out. Fullback. At yeah, 15, can, Will Hooley. Will Hooley. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I like Will Hooley. Um, obviously, Luke Hume might have that experience factor over him, but at the same time, uh, yeah. Will, no, Will Hooley's been playing professionally for five freaking years, man. He doesn't need, like, <laughs> come on. Oh, but yeah, talk, but, but, talk about yeah, but, but, but it. He, he wants to get me on my soapbox. <laughs> go down to New York, though, and, and mention Luke Hume's uh, you know, name in, rug, in, uh, in, the, in any of the local rugby circles, though. People, I think, will definitely agree with me. Um, and, uh, so the, the thing that I was going to mention is fitness and fitness is an interesting term in rugby. It means like medical fitness. It means conditioning. It's an all encompassing term that I hate. I hate using the term fitness. So, well then don't use it. This is America. So if, if yeah, Seattle yeah, can so, the kicker, then we can freaking not use the word fitness. So, um, you know, you have multiple things that you got to do when you show up to camp. You got to, got to go through a physical just to show that everything's good. Um, Aj McGinty is, uh, has to go through a bunch of medical protocols because I think uh, this would be – this is at the end of his rehab from the injury he suffered in the fall, which kept him out of uh, the, the autumn window and – uh, Gary mentioned this, that uh, the Eagle strength coaches in uh, Fort Lauderdale right now, early, for all the guys that are coming back uh, from injuries. So they're in there going through a bunch of medical protocols and fit, fitness and, I guess, conditioning protocols before camp starts so that they can be cleared to even start camp. Uh, so, Aj, uh, Will Hooley, he's a guy that – he was on crutches two weeks ago. So I was kind of – 
shocked to see him uh, on this roster. So I'm guessing a guy like him is going through some of those protocols and uh, they just, they just got to go through that. And then I, I think after the second game, which is Argentina 15, about six or seven guys are going to be flying back to the UK. Uh, Aj McGinty, Tila Mustelli, Joe Tafete, Paul Masike, uh, and um, Will Hooley are probably all going to be gone. And then you're going to get uh, either an influx of MLR talent is going to come into camp uh, to replace them, or you're going to just see the, the I guess, the circle tightening up as the squad gets smaller. Because you really can, um, when it comes to this, you can only take 28 on the road. So, yes, they named 38 guys, uh, 35 guys, but seven of those guys will show up to camp to report, and then they'll go home. They'll be released back to clubs if they're MLR-based players. Uh, or if they're the college players like Duncan Van Schulkwick, uh, he might get released and then recall the camp later when we come back to North America because that kind of when you're at home, it kind of gives you a little bit more leeway in uh, how many guys you bring into camp. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, the first 15, at least how we see it. Um, and you know, some of you guys tweet us if you think we are way off base. Yeah. At Poacher Tundra, you, you can go ahead and give me as much hate as Aaron just gave me for my picks. Um, moving on, uh, this week's matches round one, week one. I like week cause I'm just not. Different. We're, we're we're Americans. It's, we don't yeah. say competition. It's a, it's a freaking league. We don't see rounds. It's a week. It's it's a week. So week one. What do we got? So 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 in terms of games, just uh, encompassing, we have Toronto at NOLA. We have Houston at Austin. Glendale at Seattle. And Rooney at San Diego or Rugby United New York at San Diego. I've heard some people saying they don't like the term Rooney online, but yeah. So. For, for my prediction, I like that, like like we said earlier in the program, Nola returned a whole bunch of people uh, to, to their roster, including, you know, Stifler, Howden, Younger, uh, in, the, in the return of Vince Jobo. However, I, I, again, as we were saying, Toronto just has all these players who are set to make an impact and who have all this chemistry together, having played for the Blues up in Canada. So I think J.P. Eloff is going to be the top scorer in this one. I don't think, I don't see Nola scoring a whole lot of tries, but I think Toronto just kind of pounds it pounds it out, especially in the second half where fitness is going to take over. And I think they may have the edge there. Um, yeah. So no, I'm going to say uh, t- t- Toronto minus 12. Whoa. Whoa. So uh, I look at this. Uh, Nola is, they're going to play well. I, I, I'm pretty darn sure. Um, Toronto, I do give them the edge just for a variety of reasons. I wouldn't be surprised if Nola wins this at home or even wins this comfortably, but it, I, it's really hard to know. Um, I don't really have a lot of data on, on Toronto, but you know they did beat the Raptors in a preseason match. Well, actually, a, a fall fixture. It wasn't really a preseason match. So um, Toronto minus three. All right, all right, Corey. I'm I'm gonna say uh, Nola's gonna take this one. Uh, I'm I'm hoping for big things from Nola this year. I I, I just feel good about the gold. So I'm gonna say Nola by seven. All right, all right, all right, and yeah, we, oh yeah, we don't we don't have Dan on the on the on the freaking podcast do any anymore, do we? But all right, so on to uh, obviously the rumble down here in Texas. Houston is traveling up to Austin. Um, 
as I said before, Houston is dealing with a bunch of uh, health and injury issues. Um, you know, especially the, the depth of the back line is going to be tested. But I think that just having been around the team, they're really, really hungry for this one, especially having dropped their last two preseason games. And I've seen them be a lot more physical and a lot more focused in practice practice this week. I think Houston comes out strong uh, in this one versus Austin. Uh, whether or not that they can keep that up consistently through the first couple of weeks is going to be is going to uh, you know remain to be seen. But yeah, no, I think momentum carries this one in a, just a pure spite for having disappointed themselves in the preseason so far. So yeah, Houston by three. Um, you know, home match for Austin. Uh, I think what they've been doing, they've been kind of quiet. That a lot of people, a lot of people are doubting. I kind of listen to uh, you know a lot of people. Uh, I, I don't really know why people are doubting it. Maybe it's maybe it's partially because of that huge roster turnover that they had. But uh, I'm, I'm going to say Austin minus five. And I'll go ahead and say uh, Austin by fourteen on this one. Oh, go big wow. or go home, boys. Um, so moving on, uh, the game of the week on CBS is Glendale versus Seattle. Uh, you know, Liam had a chance to uh, watch Glendale last week, and we saw them play two weeks ago uh, against the uh, San Diego Legion. And one of the things that, you, you know, you saw there was um, some discipline. And towards the end of last year, they were, I think they were one of the most penalized teams in the league. Uh, oh, for sure. You know, I, I don't know how it's, uh, you know, sometimes the best team in the league is also like the most penalized team in the league. It's kind of funny, but it, it just hurts you when you're, when you're that good. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, um, just talk to Drew Brees, man. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, that CU wall and their first home game, uh, Seattle announced that it's pretty close to being sold out. They've sold out all the seats. So the only seat – that you can have at Starfire is not a seat at all, but your own two feet. So you will the only tickets left are standing room only uh, for at Starfire Stadium for week one uh, versus Glendale Raptors. I'm going. It's I think uh, I think the Raptors are going to want some revenge here from that final. However, I got I'm gonna I'm gonna go home win, but it's gonna be close. Seawolves minus two. Ooh, minus two. Cutting the cheese pretty close there. And for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, uh, you know, I think the Seawall is definitely going to slow down the likes of, uh, you know, Mika Cruze and Harley Davidson. Whether it can slow down Honko or not, uh, that's going to be uh, remain to be seen. But uh, I'm going to say Seattle by seven in this one. I, I think the I think the champs are going to be carrying some momentum, and I think Philly Philly cheesesteak Mac. He's going to be coming in with a uh, with something to prove here. Now that he's uh, not totally responsible for all the coaching of the team anymore. Yeah, but you know, Aaron, you mentioned it. I think Glendale is hungry. I think they want to prove that uh, the championship last year was a fluke. So I'm going to say they are going to travel up to Seattle and win by three. Oof, oof. Um, and then for the final game this weekend is New York traveling to San Diego. Uh, you know, New York, as, as we talked about early on, not only are, are they pretty stacked with Eagle and former American Eagle and, like, Eagle outside squad talent and a core that's been together for a while, but they've, they've sprinkled in some names around them. Uh, but, 
you know, I think that San Diego has made the roster better. And if you look at who they brought in at the front row, because honestly, you know, we can have this argument all day. I think they have the best stable of front row horses uh, in the league right now. And, uh, you know, I don't know how they were able to get that done, but good for them. Uh, So I'm going home team here. And if it's going to be a late travel for New York, I don't know. I have no idea uh, what the the travel plans are, but I'm guessing they will travel on Saturday or late Friday night. Or wait, is this game on Saturday or is it on? Is there, are there two games on Sunday? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's it's Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So and then they'll leave. Uh, they'll get in the day before, um, enjoy some beach, and then hit the ground running in the afternoon on Sunday and fly home probably more more than likely. But uh, I'm still going, you know, that that's a long, tr- that's a long haul at the beginning of the season. You got, you kind of have to get used to it. And I think that's why Glendale, uh, you know, flew for these two preseason matches just to get used to the travel so that everyone's good for it because they're playing their first three games on the road. Uh, so um, San Diego minus five. All right. All right. Well, I think this is the one that I could most likely be wrong about, but I'm have to gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Rooney minus three. I think a lot of these big names uh, uh, that they brought in uh, under the direction of Mike uh, of Coach Tolkien, I think it's going to be. I, I, I think I think they're gonna they're going to come out strong. And again, just like Houston, whether or not that's going to be consistent over the first few weeks, whether or not there's going to be that you know new team chemistry hiccups, uh, that's going to re- remain to be seen. But at the same time, like I said, I think this is the one I could most likely be wrong about because I wouldn't be surprised to see San Diego actually even run away with this one. So, well, yeah. I, I've said before that I think Rooney is going to be uh, a contender this year. I really do. That having been said, first game out of the blocks and the fact that uh, it's still possible their uh, plane may get into an accident on the freeway uh, on their way to San Diego. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say San Diego by seven on this one. Okay. 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 All right. We've gotten for the most part, I think we've only got one game where we're going uh where we're going double digits. So that's it. That's interesting. Um and that's really what you want to see. You want to see raising quality and competitiveness throughout the league. That was like that was an important piece last year. Uh you know, even though Houston finished one and seven. They were in a lot of those they games. Were in these games. So uh moving on. Um, to really transactions is kind of short because, well, there wasn't a lot of information out of no. Utah. So, yeah. yeah. How, how was that roster they uh, published? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Come so, on, guys. So, oh, so, so there was a piece published. I can't, I think it was by Doug Coyle uh, that Ian Luciano got signed by Utah. Uh, I'm friends with Ian uh, from Boston. I've seen him play. Uh, he has both experience as from Graham. Sorry, what? He's there. I saw it on the gram. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but but anyway, uh Ian has a lot of experience at both uh scrum half and fly half. Uh he he started out as a scrum half, but coach Josh Smith decided that he would probably be better suited uh closer to the back line where he's actually making more plays as opposed to as opposed to just passing out. Uh, I think the way Utah played last year is going to fit really well with his style. He's a really fast, um, he's a really fast player with, who's really good at offloads as opposed to some, uh, as, as opposed to some other teams who are a little bit more methodical. Uh, yeah. So Ian Luciano fly half to Utah. 
Uh, shout out to Ian, dude. I think you're going to do really well. Excellent. All right. Well, we're in extra innings here, so we might as well just delve right into questions if you guys are good with that. Yep. Okay. Questions from Bob is our regular segment every week. Bob. Where we take, Bob, where we yeah. take questions from you, the re, the viewer slash listener, uh, over on the Reddit page, the Major League Rugby Reddit page, and that's uh, reddit.com slash r slash mlrugby. So be sure to go there for all the MLR discussion each week. So here are some questions. First off, and I'm going to try, I'm going to guess this username. I'm going with Bryn Cook LFC wants to know, how far will the MLR improve rugby in the U.S. and Canada, and what can we expect in the coming years in terms of national team improvement and youngsters coming through in North America? Well, get, getting more minutes for our players is going to be the biggest factor. And the more minutes you get, the more consistent you can get with, uh, uh, you know, with, with your game and how you develop your technique. So I think in the coming years, we're going to see some much more sound fundamentals of rugby, which, you know, at times, whenever anybody that's watched Team USA, it can be a really frustrating aspect when we just have these dumb mental lapses on stuff that should be fundamental. I think we're going to be seeing a lot uh, less of these. Um, obviously I think we're going to see a lot more younger players from Europe who are, who fell through the cracks, who are still pretty good talents, but just not quite good enough to make some of the elite academies, uh, over across the pond. I think a lot more of them are going to come, especially as the salary cap starts to rise and they can make a little bit more money. Cause honestly, if, if you're, if you're from like Cornwall, England or something like that, why would you not want to go to a place like San Diego, Boston, or New Orleans? That's sounds freaking amazing to me. So yeah, I think. I think fundamental rugby is where we're going to see the most immediate improvement uh, in terms of the players who are getting a lot more minutes in MLR. I look, I look at this question twofold. If you're talking about world ranking, well, it's going to help Canada a lot because uh, they have been pretty much in constant free fall. And we have been, uh, you know, at the end of Tolkien, we were sort of like went, and then, we basically stayed at about the same because we had some weird losses under Mitchell. But uh, under Gary Gold, we've just been – and, you know, at this point, it's going to be for us with – I think the only the only opponent on – yeah, the only opponent that we can get ranking points from this ARC is Canada because Uruguay is a home match for us, and the way rankings work, uh, the – the home team gets a handicap. So basically if you win this match, you can get a lot of points uh, if you're in Uruguay, but because we're basically artificially ranked higher than 12 because we're the home team, we actually can't get any points from Uruguay. Uh, but since it's a Canadian home game uh, on the 8th of March, they get an artificial handicap. So the only team that we can take ranking points from this uh, tournament is Canada. And we're probably going to take as as much as many decimal points as we can from them. I'm very certain. Um, but when it comes to just what you can, what Canada is going to get, uh, it's going to raise their standard because they've been relying on a lot of amateur players over time. They have more prof- more overseas professionals, or used to have a lot more overseas professionals, just the way Commonwealth works and stuff. But. Um, I still think the young, like when it comes to youngsters coming through, we're, we're still a few years away, but you're starting to see 
you're starting to see it with, uh, you know, Glendale's Academy and all these academies starting to get off the ground. I think you're going to see it uh, sooner with New Orleans and uh, New Orleans and Houston with their academies. And then the, the sub academies from Austin, you're, you're going to see those four teams pumping out some youth talent because here's the thing in those areas of the world of this country, there is a lot of athletes and a lot of those kids play rugby too. So we're going to see some interesting stuff coming through U18s and U20s pretty shortly. But as far as the national team is concerned, it's, it's going to be tough for us to gain much more without getting tier one tests on a consistent basis to where we can steal points uh, against the likes of, you know, when we beat Scotland. Uh, so, um, you know, we're, we're, um, we are going to break into the top 10 in the next few years because that's what MLR is getting. We're getting, you know, we have good athletes on our national team. They just need professional time. Oh, so good things to come. I think is the answer to that. All right. Segment namesake, Bob B. Bobberson wants to know, uh, do, do WADA regulations slash testing cover pot use? The answer, the short answer is, <laughs> the short answer is yes. The long answer is it depends. Uh, regulation 15 is World Rugby's anti-doping protocol. The program is called Keep Rugby Clean. That is in line with the World Anti-Doping Agency's uh, you know, recommendations because World Rugby is a member of the IOC because Sevens Rugby is an Olympic sport. However, that also World Rugby has submitted itself unto like Olympic protocols. So if you get caught for something and they don't have a separate protocol, you're going to get like four years. Uh, however, does MLR have an anti-doping protocol outside of that? Like say the UFC does like the UFC has the biggest independent uh, anti-doping pro protocol and program that is administered by WADA. We're a few years away probably from uh, MLR from estab I think establishing that whole program. But the point of this is, is um, under regulation 15, um, we go by what WADA says. And what WADA says is that you can have recreational usage of marijuana outside of competition. We're currently in the competition window now uh, for Major League Rugby. So if World Rugby ordered a test specifically probably of national team players and national team pool players that have been identified and entered into the system. So you have a bunch of the APC, the American Specific Challenge guys. So really, even in the MLR player pool, we're talking about 60 guys, 60 to 70 guys that are that are just Americans and not including the Canadians. So I guess you could say even up to a hundred dudes in this that have been in and around those national teams. So, and then you add the Uruguayans, the Brazilians, like there's a lot of guys that are on squads that would fall under this protocol. If world rugby said to WADA that we needed to test these guys. So that's important to know. So out of competition, marijuana usage, according to world anti-doping agency and USADA is okay. When he's out of competition, well, for the guys going to the World Cup, you're kind of screwed um, because you're going to go straight into camp after the final for the warm up for World Cup warm ups in the Pacific Nations Cup, and then you're going to have some games 
in August and September, and then you're going to go in September to the World Cup in Japan. So I'm sorry for you. Um, but long answer. Um, yeah. But the good news, keep rugby clean. The good news, though, the good news, though, is that EOD does not have a drug testing policy. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. You, you, uh, I'm going to call USADA tomorrow and find out how much that's going to cost to do 10%, (laughs) um, every month, just like we did in the army. I'll show you an itemized list of everything I'll fail for, man. (laughs) So, so I've got a, no, I've got a quick, I've got a quick question, Aaron. Um, why have I been sending you my urine every month for the last year? Uh, <laughs> I thought that's what you can make a lot of money on the internet with weird shit, Corey. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was paying him though fifty dollars a month to have the shit processed. Okay, so so here's the thing. here's the here's the thing. This is drug testing is expensive. Um, at the World Cup, they might even do a limit. Uh, so for the seven guys for the for the sevens guys, um, yes, they get urine samples. Uh, right now, but when they go to the Olympics, they're in competition testing is blood samples. So blood samples, it's easier to detect, um, some things, everything like it's, uh, it's everything. Um, Except so for hair, hair is the only way to, hair, it. oh, hair is, so you, if that's your whole hair, life, man, hair has, hair has, hair has everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, regulation 15 from. World rugby, keep rugby clean. It, it is what it is um, for the recreational users. Um, I'm sorry, uh, I, but you, you decided to become a professional athlete. That's, oh, also, apparently this goes down to club level because they're um, the premier, not the premiership, but the RFU released a bunch of statistics last year. And it showed that, <laughs> that compared to the premiership, the amount of people that popped in national one through national three, and then further along the community, like in amateur rugby, not even, not even uh, national one through three, that the, the doping, the, the, not even steroids, just the drug usage in competition window was really high. So I'm shocked. Um, yeah. So even at the amateur level, when you become an Olympic sports, you, you your ngb has to to go with certain things so i am sorry yeah all right that was probably more than most of us ever wanted to know about the subject so thank you (laughs) uh drago three two two zero wants to know will there be an mlr team in the midwest anytime soon if so, where? Uh, Probably Chicago. Chicago? I have no idea. I have no clue. Yeah, right. it's not going to happen. I've just yeah. given up. The Chicago Griffins slash Lions, you know, they've they, they've been trying to work towards building a more professional program. Um, you know, we've seen on Facebook, uh, like, like a few posts, like they updated, the Griffins updated their website to be a little bit more fancy. Uh, but other than that, I can see Kansas City uh, probably making a push for a team. Um, you know, Minneapolis is probably out of the, out of the running at this point. Although I don't even think you would, I mean, I would consider Minneapolis to be the Midwest, but is, is Dallas the Midwest? Cause apparently there's a team in Dallas. Do we need a third Texas team, man, but 
I don't know. Like, I don't even know what the hell to consider Texas. They don't consider themselves this, like they, they, they don't consider themselves the South, but I've never heard anybody call this place the Midwest, though. I think it's just no. Like, it's it's like the Southwest or something. Hey, yeah, the Texas, Gulf Coast. Texas. Gulf Coast is what they say. From what we understand, no, it's not breaking news. Uh, Bill Webb has talked about it in uh, interviews that Dallas was is coming online for 2020, and then a bunch of stuff coming out of the Utah press conference that we thought there was going to be a roster release said that Dallas is coming online for 2020. So right now it hasn't been officially confirmed by the league, but there's been a lot of comments from other ownership groups that Dallas is a thing. So we don't know yet, but maybe. Um, and, but also other comments talked about another market in addition to that coming online. So we can see as many as 14 teams in the league next year, which would be, Kind of insane, but it, it puts you in so many more markets, which makes this thing commercially more viable when you think about the the reach you get being in the Los Angeles market or the Dallas market, because I think Dallas is number six. Chicago's in the top ten. You know, the, you know, people people have asked, hey, about or you know, San Francisco. Is there gonna be a team in San Francisco? Uh, stuff like that. Part part of this is Ohio. Can, Everybody's asking about Ohio. I yeah, feel like you, you know, can have small market teams. You can because there are small market teams already in the league. Uh, but there is an importance of getting specific large targeted markets, which they're doing especially next season. With uh, they did this year with Toronto um, in Canada, right? And then you have New York, uh, which gets you the number one media market in the country so that your access to broadcasts and sponsors and everything. And then next year you're bringing in the nation's capital, you're bringing in Boston and you're bringing in Atlanta. So we're getting all the big markets. We might see after next year, some, some small market teams come in again. Um, can we get, can we get uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa? <laughs> no. Well, uh, the headhunters will uh, front a uh, pro side. It'll happen. Um, so, yeah, corn holders. We, we, I, I have no idea. I really don't. Um, as far as the Midwest is concerned, it would be nice. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Gray Day '88. What team has the best had the best off season, and what team had the worst off season? So, uh, not to beat the dead horse, but Utah hasn't Utah. given us any damn information about I'm their off say, season. I'm gonna say Utah had the worst. Um, who had the best? Uh, Rooney. Rooney. New Orleans? <laughs> New Orleans. I'm going to say New Orleans. Yeah. Because uh, even though they lost some key pieces, I think they upgraded. Definitely. Although, yeah. I mean, d- depending how San Diego goes, though, you know, yeah. whether or not, wh- whether or not, like, all those, uh, like, I don't want to say ejections, whether or not all the players they let go and all the players they brought in make the an actual difference that could definitely change, you know, how we look back at this answer uh, in a few months. Yeah. Truth. All right. Friend of the show, American RFC. Are we expecting the ARC call-ups to be released back to the clubs for opening weekend? Uh, um, since ARC won't be started yet. Guess what? This is the question I talked about at the beginning of the show. Um, camp hasn't started. Camp starts this weekend. So 
everyone who plays for MLR will play for their MLR teams this weekend. Uh, guys who are not on MLR contracts will show up on Friday, Saturday, and then the MLR players will fly in on Saturday and Sunday. Well, yeah, Sunday and Monday. Short camp, a couple days, fly down to Chile uh, for a couple days because the reality is, like I said earlier, with with altitude, you either show up two weeks before or you show up the day or two before. And then we'll continue camp down in Argentina and then come back north and set up shop in Austin, Texas. So, yes, they're going to play this weekend because camp hasn't started. Sweet. There you go. Uh, final question of the night comes from He Who Walks Slow. Could have been my username. <laughs> Who would be your favorite kit producer for MLR? X-Blaze has done a great job. I So mm -hmm. far, I, I, have no, I have no complaints. I, I, I have a complaint about the Glendale uniforms. I think that yellow jersey with the thin blue stripes is the ugliest crap I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, but... Is that on the is that on is that on the kit producer? Or is that on the team's input on the design? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know who whoever whoever did, whoever drew it out and put it up on the wall and whatever board meeting there was has is just as much to blame than the guys who were like, I like that. That's that's good. But you know they, the colors don't match. I like that. Then they also have a really awesome home kit too like that oh yeah the raptor wing is really nice uh but, but overall i mean there's been some sizing issues with uh especially for the for the locks and how their jerseys fit but uh i think overall for for what we ex we had no expectations uh we're doing pretty good uh in rugby there is no kit company that produces kits for the entire league which makes uh, MLR different. Um, it makes it stand on its own. But uh, I guess if rugby gets to a specific juncture, you want to see uh, the big brands try to take away that, uh, try to, you know, this people, people are talking about league sponsorship, right? So if an American brand specifically, I would say, comes after the league's kit production rights, uh, Nike or Under Armour, you know, depending on how you like their kits, it doesn't really matter to me, but I, you see what Nike and Under Armour do with football jerseys, right? I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, college, football. College, <laughs> college, college football jerseys, like not the, uh, not the NFL stuff. Cause that the NFL stuff's kind of bland, but, Unless you do yeah. the, the colors oh, yeah. or whatever it is. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, like, there's definitely, like, uh, U-Miami of Ohio has some dope uniforms. So whoever designed those should definitely give MLR a call. So, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm overall, in the aggregate, I'm pleased with that stuff. So Same hither. Okay. <laughs> well, guys, uh, you know, we got a nice uh, solid 90-minute show in tonight. So this is uh, the format we're going to be following for the regular season of MLR. We're going to be extending it out from our regular hour, probably doing it about an hour and a half each Monday. So 
We thank you for tuning in and thank you for sticking with us this long. So uh, any final thoughts on our ways out? Uh, hey, opening MLR weekend. Let's get after it. Hell yeah, man. I agree. I'm mad excited about MLR is finally here. I remember last year when we were like, holy crap, I can't believe the season's starting. It's that same feeling again. And I love it. And go Patriots. I'll uh, go ahead and bring the laptop out to the beach with me and uh, <laughs> check out some games. Hell yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Here's the boring stuff I got to read off on our way home. So on our way out tonight, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and the guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of major league rugby teams or the league. For full disclosure purposes, Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam Madigan-Fried is employed by the West Houston Lions and Houston Sabercats. Be sure to tune in next week as we uh, do this live again on, on YouTube each Monday night. Uh, we will also be up for d download on Wednesdays from your favorite podcast provider. So be sure to get us there. Uh, you can check us out on all social medias. We're everywhere at Earful of Dirt. Just, uh, just go ahead and look or uh, listen, as the may case may be. And uh, please do give us a review and a star rating on iTunes and YouTube and a like and all that good stuff because that really helps us, uh, helps us get discovered by new folks. Uh, like we had a new... New listener tonight who tuned in and uh, just wanted us to know that uh, they didn't know what Earful of Dirt was, and they, I think that was about it. So <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back next week. Until then, go out and watch some rugby. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then. Thank you.